this week on Clubhouse, my guest, who's a bit of a, 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 a Clubhouse novice, <laughs> is, is, the very, is the very amazing Orsula de Castro, who's founder and creative director of Fashion Revolution. Orsula, I'm so delighted. We, 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 we're here, we're online. Your internet's dodgy, but you're in a great place. Welcome. How are you today? Oh, I'm okay. I'm a little bit tired, I have to say, after the the kind of, you know, onslaught that Fashion Revolution Week always is, but sort of it's a tired, satisfied feeling. So I'm well. Oh, that's the very best. And of course, Fashion Revolution, I think, finished, was it two weeks ago? So, so yes. I know. <laughs> it takes longer and longer to recover. So I don't know whether that's because we become more and more successful or whether it might be because I'm aging a year each year. <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> haven't which, we haven't worked out which. <laughs> let's, let's pick the first one. I think it's infinitely cheerier. Mm. That one. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> now, also, you know, we will start this interview with how you grew up. You know, where, where did you grow up and, and kind of what in Formed you from an early age, and I know you were born in one of my favourite cities. So I, I'd love for you to tell us about your your kind of early years. So I actually grew up in between Rome and Venice. My family is very definitely Venetian, but at the time that I was going to school, my family was in Rome. They're no longer. They're now all again back in in Venice. And um, I guess that uh, the the main uh, starting point for me was my grandmother teaching me how to crochet when I was around six. And this feeling of freedom that came from being able to make my own fabric. There was something about that that made me think since I was a child, you know, I could be left in a forest uh, and I would be able to make something warm. I could be desperately needing a hair clip and I could make my own cord to tie my hair with. A weird thoughts at the, at the time, but those were them. Making clothes for my dolls and so on and so forth. So that was really the beginning. Both my mother and her sister were um, very clever with clothes making. My sister was actually a pattern cutter and a clothes maker. My oh, mother, wow. amazing at knitting. My grandmother, crochet knitting so on and so forth. So I've really, I've really seen that since I was quite young. My family, very unconventional, not, not your average Italian, Italian family. So, um, I came to England when I was very young. I was just 15 and a half and I did my A-levels here. So I've been here infinitely longer than I was there. But I guess the, you know, the, the, the appreciation of fabrics is a combination of the crochet and the art that surrounded me. Uh, you know, these incredible Renaissance paintings that I would want to dive in, in those brocades. And so, you know, everything in, in my past screamed fabrics. And, you know, my, my family was the lots of women all beautifully dressed. And I, you know, one of my earliest memories is myself and my cousins just, you know, looking at, you know, our mother's friends or, you know, relatives and just dissecting their wardrobes for hours, if not days wow. on end. Wow. How, how, how magical is that? That's absolutely stunning. I mean, like, when and how did you find your purpose? Was it a kind of light bulb moment? Was it something that cropped up? I mean, there's obviously this tremendous love of fabrics. I mean, what, what happened uh, to, to you? So it was slow. It was very, very slow. So I started out this thing about customizing my own clothes or butchering my own clothes, as I called it at the time, was really innate. 
And I was, you know, it was a little bit my party trick. So I came to the UK <laughs> because uh, the Italian school system didn't work. I mean, I'm pretty dyslexic, dyspraxic, you know, you name it. I was very good at all the subjects that really interested me and appalling at all the others. So this, the system in the UK worked better for me. But I used to go to school and take my crochet needle and just change the shape of the clothes that I was wearing, which my friends used to find endlessly amusing and funny. So um, it really was a long process. And my whole career started with a jumper with a hole. And I crocheted <laughs> I around that. this hole. And I was, you know, it was one, I think most girls I speak to, most women understand. I had an orange jumper and I had to wear that orange jumper, except I was going to, I think it was the Turner Prize dinner. <laughs> and I just, holes in 1996 were just really not the same as no, they no, are no, now. No, 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 like so 2021 <laughs> Nope. No, 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 no. And um, so that was it. You know, I, I, I wore a jumper full of holes, but each hole was meticulously crocheted and beaded to be the feature of that jumper. Wow. And um, and that was it. You know, then I had a couple of people saying, well, I guess what? My husband's jumpers are completely <laughs> covered in holes. So then I started rescuing jumpers like most people would rescue pets. <laughs> And, you know, that was 1997 at the time. And there was that shop in London called The Cross. I'm sure it's yes. still there. Oh, but, you know, God. at the yes. time it was just started. And, and Sam and Sarah saw my crochet jumpers. And that was it, really. That was the start of, of my label. But from a creative point of view, at it, the, the realization that we were swiftly moving from a fashion that made sense to a fashion that made harm came as I walked along this industry. So, you know, first waste was available, you know, in, in, in charity stores and, you know, friends' cupboards. And then I started going into the warehouses, secondhand warehouses. And then I realized, my God, this is insane. This is mm. one warehouse the size of a football pitch covered with, you know, leftovers. And, and so slowly but surely the, the, the sort of the more political side of me woke up. There's all, it's always been around, but it kind of woke up. And it became my purpose. My purpose as a designer was to do what a designer does, which is to find solutions rather than creating problems. And I was bang in the middle of a problem because I witnessed the industry moving to, um, you know, China first, Bangladesh, yeah. Cambodia, and so on and so forth. I saw it happen under my eyes. And so my purpose became to actually antagonize uh, the mainstream fashion, even though I was quite well ensconced with it. You know, mm -hmm. I was at London Fashion Week and I was, yep. you know, my, my brand was, you know, very celebrity focused. We dressed so many celebrities. And um, and then I thought, okay, no, I, 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 I cannot, I, I need to make my own language here and I need to say my own things via the clothes that I create. I need to go deeper. And that that's how it slowly turned. That's amazing. And, and, and then, you know, I mean, you know, you, you did a collaboration, I think, with Speedo, didn't you? And, and, and that started yeah. was in 2010. And that was all about upcycling swimwear and fabrics, which is extraordinary. I mean, that was bonkers, actually. That was my favorite collaboration, but it was completely bonkers because <laughs> we were using their unsold swimwear and turning it into, believe it or not, cocktail dresses. <laughs> the idea was, you know, of course, that you would be, you know, lounging by the pool, yes. um, wearing some amazing dress, drink, drink a little bit more, fall in the pool, get out of the pool, and you'd be dry because it was Speedo <laughs> material. 
<laughs> they really were. They really were. One that was one of my favorite collaborations. But yes, I mean, you know, believe it or not, we did. We uh, reused uh, swathes and of fabrics for Tesco in in Sri Lanka for their F and F. You know, not just us, but with other young upcyclists that I put together a, a little cohort and um, top shop for five years as well. You know, reusing their warehouse obsolescences for the top shop reclaim to wear. It's you know, for an upcyclist, that's really what needs to happen. You need to be inside the big companies that are producing an awful lot of waste and actually translate that waste into product from the inside. That's a really successful way of doing it. And I was, we certainly were very pioneering in doing that way before um, everybody else. I mean, I, I was just looking at a, a recent collection by one of the young designers I have mentored, Priya mm. Aluwalia Studio, and she's done the same with Ghani. Um, that's exactly what we did, you know, with, with Topshop, we're launching in, in, in 2011. And it's, it's where the industry should go. You know, waste is a massive, massive resource and young designers are insanely creative and they can jolly well reuse it. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, what a wonderful proposition for any, any fashion brand, you know, all that stock you're paying to, uh, to store. Or, yeah. or, or God forbid, burn, as as we know some of the notable fashion houses exactly. were doing. Let's say, you know, and and that's actually a store of value for you. Is 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 it's just extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And you, and you were doing this so early. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know, have you have you always been this extraordinary visionary? <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, well, you know, I've I've got a different I've got a different story around what vision is, and I. I think vision is patience. I don't think it's anything more than that. You know, it's a little bit of patience and a little bit of madness. But when I was doing it, it seemed like completely normal to me. I just couldn't understand why this wasn't more widespread. And of course, it's the nature of fast fashion Mm. that can't accept something which is inherently slower. And upcycling, to begin with at least, it's inherently slower. But it's unvisionary not to see that it could be even faster because the materials are already there. They're already checked. They're already tested. Why would you throw them away? You know, why would you not redesign them and pre-design them? But the truth is that, yes, you know, from somewhere was ridiculously early. And that was very much to the detriment of the brand um, and potentially to the detriment of my soul in many ways, because it is a little bit soul destroying when you are just completely alone. Um, and, you know, speaking very loudly, as of course, I always do and always have, <laughs> but, 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 you know, pretty much, you know, to, to your shadow and, and, um, with fashion revolution, I think, um, Estetica also was, was quite pioneering. And I think I managed to get my timing right, you know, with fashion revolution when, when Carrie and I got together for fashion revolution, then that was really a proof to me of what happens when the timing is just right and how quickly it spread like fire. Uh, because there was such an interest and such an appetite for this conversation that it took people all of a nanosecond to join. So, you know, yes, but uh, in response, you know, I started visionary and, and learned that uh, timing is important. It's good to be visionary, but it's more important to get the timing right because you'll have more impact. Yeah. And, and, and I, I mean, you know, thank you for bringing up fashion revolution because I was going to go there next. And I mean, you know, I mean, fashion revolution has become the world's largest fashion activism movement. I mean, that's extraordinary. You mobilize citizens industry and policy makers 
through everything that Extraordinary. You, you do. And I, I, I mean, tell us how, how it came about, because I mean, uh, you know, there was obviously, you know, a fairly appalling, you know, event that happened that, that, that prompted this. Definitely. I mean, you know, it was the Rana Plaza, the incident. Um, and it was a kind of very magical combination of people who, um, had been together for a long time already. I mean, I, I see Aesthetica as a precursor in many ways, mm. simply because of the fact that it brought so many of us together who then went on to, to start Fashion Revolution. But you know, Fashion Revolution was Carrie Summers in the bath dreaming fashion revolution and then she called me straight away and um i guess you know we each have different roles in in what did happen to the organization i feel mine was very much um the you know the bringing together the team the work that i had done with aesthetica in identifying the designers and i mean you know i'm 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 a super creative um person and so that element definitely but it was from the very start a team effort i mean you know Carrie and I are legitimately the founders. But um, it's also a very illegitimate thing to think in many ways because the strength of fashion revolution is not the moment that it came about, but um, how rapidly it managed to involve individuals from all over the world who contacted us saying, well, we want to take fashion revolution in Australia. We want to take it in Zimbabwe. We want to take it in Ecuador. We want, you know, and that was the strength. How, you know, and the team, the founding team, which really was uh, a team of, of people that had been in this industry for a long time. So with a real understanding of what the industry needed in order to change, what the issues were, and each from a different perspective. So it felt from the very start the safest place in the world to be because finally there were enough individuals and each concerned with something slightly different so each with a different with a, you know it was a brilliant way of mapping what was happening but this enthusiasm and this this real getting together to do things together has always been the strength of fashion revolution and you know i i'm i'm proud beyond proud that it's never been a top down movement it's been a bottom up yeah. You know, fashion revolution is the one movement that has not needed the celebrity endorsement, that has not needed the brand. And, you know, we've just gone ahead because we're so different. Each team is so radically different to the other all over the world. Our needs are so different. Our points of views are so different. And yet we all merge in one common cause, which is, you know, making the industry um, radically transparent and, you know, and responsible for for the harms that it's it's done for so long. Which, I, I mean, I have to say, I mean, I feel quite emotional when you talk about it because you know, it's not an industry well known for its, you know, true collaborations. Let's face no. it. You know, like, 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 I mean, like maybe a few capsule collections, but actually true yeah. like collaboration. I mean, it's, it was no. a very highly competitive. Um, yeah, kind of highly competitive and, and, and very old fashioned in that. I mean, you know, mm. it's like uh, the, the one thing about the fashion industry that, um, you know, I always felt is, you know, this deep, deep, deep love for clothes, deep love fabrics, you know, could talk about clothes all day. And yet this kind of aberration of what the supply chain actually looks like and how those two things join together. It's beyond me. 
you know, wearing clothes that you know are made in fear and exploitation should come with a rather, rather large dose of, of, of guilt. But the fashion industry designed itself to be opaque so that we wouldn't know that, that we wouldn't even suspect that, and that we wouldn't ask ourselves, how is this possible? And, um, you know, I, I feel that challenging this and changing this is the fashion of the future. You know, you, 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 it's un, unequivocal that this is the only way forward. Yeah. And I guess that the, the, the <laughs> most important thing with, with, you know, with fashion revolution was taking an industry that is loved coming from the point of view of people that love this industry and turning it because of love. Not because of hatred or resentment, but because of saying, I want to work here. But if this is my workspace, my workplace, it needs to be equal and respectful for me and everyone else that is working in this industry. Yeah, you know, I'm always very keen to kind of like bust the myth, you know, like fashion is starts as an agricultural industry. Do you know what I mean? It's all grown. Yeah. <laughs> or, 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 or distilled. From, 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 you know, petrol and oil refineries. I mean, like that is absolutely, the origin absolutely. of like pretty yeah. much, you know, or, or, or you know, or, or farmed as in, 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 in animals. So, you know, it, it, it's a very exploitative industry, whether it's, yeah. you know, of labor or people. And, and, and I find it such a tragedy because, you know, fashion, you know, alludes to so much is to do with nature or, 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 you know, copied from, do you know what I mean, animals or, or inspired by kind of the sea or something like that. And you're just like, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's about, it's about helping the people who wear the products feel great. And then you're like, but there's all of this underneath it. And actually you're, you're destroying nature. You're not paying people properly. And you know, all of this is going I on. I know. And it's, it's interestingly enough because, you know, it is, it is a, an industry that really, um, revolves around passion. You know, I've seen, you know, the, the passion that people develop over, you know, a perfect bag or coat or jacket. And yet there's an awful lot of people who really don't give a damn about fashion at all. But nevertheless, we've got one thing in common. We all have to get dressed. And, you know, this is a big thing that we all have to get dressed. You know, it means even, that pretty even much... In, even in, in <laughs> bloody times where, where some of Precisely. us dressed differently. I mean, I, I have to say it's... Differently, <laughs> but nevertheless clothed. Yes. I mean, I haven't, I haven't, you know, I haven't um, unleashed my research team into how many naturists there are in the world. But I'm, <laughs> by my own experience, is a very tiny percentage. <laughs> and they have to wear shoes anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's... the the impact of this industry is enormous, um, and therefore it can be very scary, very dooming when you think, oh my God, you know, actually this, this is where we're at. But if you switch the medal on the other side, because it does affect 100% of the population, if 100% of the population was in a position to actually ameliorate it, then the impact would be phenomenal. So you can turn it around both ways. You know, you can look at it. It doesn't take a dedicated activist to change the industry. It takes a dedicated clothes wearer. And there's quite a few of those <laughs> in the world, at least last time I checked. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think, I mean, it'd be a good time to really talk about what your aims are you know, for, for, for the fashion revolution. And I guess one of the aims is to, you know, that everyone who's a clothes wearer has, you know, could, can do something differently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the aim to fas of, of fashion revolution is to no longer exist. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we are designing ourselves out of the equation. I mean, that would be the biggest victory. Imagine if in 10 years' time, 
we say, actually, pff, transparency, mandatory, achieved, uh, controlled and scrutinized, you know, uh, equality, equity, uh, living wage, achieved, blah, blah, toxicants, solutions, you know, that's where we want to be. We don't want to exist. Um, but, you know, I'm f- un- unfortunately, um, we, we still do. And I mean, you know, obviously it, it's, as, as you said, you know, it, it was finished a week ago, but there's still the, you know, we, we do carry on and, and work all year, not just during Fashion Revolution Week when we're just unbearably noisy, I guess, and all over the place. And I'm sure people hate us <laughs> <Not at all. laughs> for invading their feeds. <laughs> not at all. But I mean, I, I have to, you know, I, I mean, I have to share. I mean, someone, someone tagged me in a post, you know, after the Oscars. I just went, what is going on? <laughs> you actually creating any change at all? And I have to say, I put my hands in my head. Yeah. And I was just like, I think one person wore, you know, a Vivian Westwood gown and Vivian is, you know, an amazing, um, you know, sustainability champion and stuff. But I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, despite all of the kind of Me Too movements, Black Lives Matters, you know, none of those celebrities war kind of reused, recycled, do you know what I mean? Things on, on the couch. I mean, I, I was absolutely stunned. And, and I was just really like, you know, should we all pack up and go home at this point? You know, what, 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 what well, you know, I had to really I, reflect I, I, on I'm, that. I'm seeing change. Yeah. I, well, I actually, and I tell you what, so it really to, to, for change, um, it, it's very important where you look. So, you know, the mainstream, and this is why at Fashion Revolution, by the way, we're not, uh, we don't really talk exclusively about fast fashion. We talk about the fashion industry in general, the mainstream fashion industry, because we all know, I mean, you know, you just need to look at those dresses, you know, from the sort of mainstream luxury designer to know, I mean, you know, that is not an organic material. That is not, uh, you know, there's so many questions. Um, and, and the truth is that it's the entirety of the fashion industry that really needs to be called into question. But the truth is that it is being called into question and it is being questioned. And in my experience, by many of the people who are just about to join it. Mm-hmm. So when we look, for instance, I, this is my second uh, year, second uh, time, um, a judge for the new gen competition. That's, you know, new gen, BFC, top of mainstream. I mean, every single one of the designers applying now um, is looking for sustainable solutions. And just the fact that I'm one of the judges shows that the BFC, um, you know, and this is a massive initiative, New Gen. I mean, you know, my favorite ever It's where I really feel that the BFC has gone above and beyond, you know, what a British, fa- what, what a fashion council should do in support. And this for years and years and years, yes, over 20 have. years. But now, I mean, while a while back, no one really gave a, a, a shit, frankly. Now they all do. And so does BFC in demanding that there is a sustainable strategy. There might, that might, it might not be immediate. It might be coming. They might be needing my help later on, but it's, it's, it's happening. And these are the people that will be entering the industry and challenging it right from the inside. And this is something else, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky, uh, in terms of I, I really do get called by uh, people saying, look, please advise and, and help me. And I, I try to be as available for as many as I possibly can, some for a long time, others just a 20-minute call. But if someone calls me from one of the main 
you know, luxury brands and says, look, I don't, I can't be here because this company doesn't really respond to my principles. Um, I want to leave and start my own thing. My advice is always stay, uh, stay mm-hmm. and find people like you in super junior positions, but that feel the same because brands are designed the same way as the supply chain is. So they're disconnected. You'll often find that the design team don't actually know the sourcing team and they don't know the marketing team and so on and so forth. So my advice is connect. Connect with people within that brand because you will grow and eventually you will be in a more senior position. And when you are in a more senior position, you will be employing people that will match your principles and therefore the sustainability of the brand will actually quite organically change from the inside. And, you know, this is this is how long-term impactful change can also happen, not just pioneering something new, but accepting that change takes time and does need to happen in small steps. Yeah, I, I love that. And I and I have to say, I applaud you for your patience. I think I, think I can get very impatient <laughs> about this. And I'm like, why is this not changing like now? Yeah. Um, you know, so that's... But because amazing. it's frightening. Yes. Yeah, I, right. I, I agree with you. It's terrifying when it doesn't change fast enough, you know, because you think, well, what the hell? I mean, now that I know this, um, I know how urgent it is and people not changing feel almost threatening to you personally. I feel like that. You know, when I see people that utterly refuse to understand, I think, well, listen, you're not just harming yourself. Ultimately, you're harming myself and my community in the process of you being so bloody blinkered. But you've gotten used to it and just, you know, keep moving. (laughs) So I think that brings (laughs) us to a really, you know, great juncture where I can ask, you know, like, how can we start somewhere? How, How can we work to achieve change as individuals and collectively? So first of all, I really love the name of this, um, the, you know, the start somewhere. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I find it really, really inspiring. It could be just that. It's, it could be literally my answer could be start somewhere, but I could direct you to where that somewhere might be. And that somewhere might be your wardrobe. And <laughs> the reality is that, you know, for me, there's never one solution. Because fashion is about individuality and we're all different. So I've just written a book called Loved Clothes Last, which blissfully has, has been really, really lovelyly received. It was written with this idea that not all of us actually will pick up a needle and mend. Um, although longevity is incredibly important, particularly that kind of revolutionary longevity that defies the current narrative, for example, that fast fashion is so badly made it doesn't worry being mended. One of the most dangerous narratives I've ever seen yes. and a big contribution to landfill mass. Um, yes. But, you know, some of us will not be that way inclined. And so I would say, well, actually do go and check campaigns such as Fashion Revolution that will, you know, inspire you to do something more. Um, my main advice and always is to start somewhere that fits your principles. So analyze your gut feeling. How many people do I know? that got into sustainability because they wanted to save a fluffy rabbit. Then they realized that in their saving the fluffy rabbit, they were hurting the fish. And then they understood, you know, so that's a very simple step, something that matters to you. And then open yourself up to the journey that that will take you through. And uh, my other uh, suggestion is... Invent and create a new criteria when you're shopping. I mean, if you actually analyze how much time you spend shopping, whether this is online 
or browsing in a store, it does accumulate. So yes. new criteria might mean, okay, so rather than looking at a pair of trousers that make my leg look longer, um, or, you know, what does the perfect shade of yellow look like? Look for something that matches your size as well as your, you know, your, your principles as well as your size. So yeah. is this brand paying their garment worker? Is this yellow containing azo dyes, which I know are carcinogenic? And obviously, in order to de develop that criteria, that will take a little bit of time. But the reality is that people hide behind the, it's difficult. It's not difficult. It's doable. It is 100% doable because there are so many people, so many organizations, so many pioneers out there, findable online that will have advice on how to start on your journey. So it really is start somewhere. Oh, I mean, music, music to, 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 to my ears, absolutely. And also, would you, would you, um, I think it'd be great to share your website with everyone and, 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 and point them in the right direction if they want to find out more about Fashion Revolution. Absolutely. So the website is www.fashionrevolution.org. And uh, the interesting pages really are the resources. Uh, you will find just about anything to download from, you know, really fitting onto whatever personal signature yours might be. You know, if you're an activist, um, if you're a maker, if you want to get stuck in, or if you just want to lend your voice and speak truth to power. Um, the, the best place really to follow us would be Instagram, which is at FashRev, because that's daily. So we're being reactive and proactive and, you know, it's, it's where we really show who we are. Um, and I would also um, suggest that you follow Fashion Open Studio, Mm -hmm. uh, because that's our sort of promoting young global designers initiative. And if, you know, if, if for anyone that really genuinely wants to not just understand what's happening in terms of fashion design globally, which is an important aspect for me because everybody's doing it a little bit differently, but also really to support, support young designers that need your custom, uh, then Fashion Open Studio is your place and it will just show you what fashion could look like in a few years time. And it's a, just a, such a wonderful vision. Fantastic. It's so exciting. Also, I just wanted to thank you so much for joining me and, and also thank you for just being this astonishing force uh, in, in, in fashion. And thank you for all you're doing. And, 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 and I hope, you know, I know it was a very lonely journey at first, but, but I mean, really, you know, thank you because you are creating truly a revolution. In, in an industry where it's needed so badly and you know it's 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 very humbling and inspiring what you're doing for well for all of us and for the planet and and, and for every kind of living creature in it so thank you thank you so much and um yes oh, it's just a Sarah thank you and this will be it will be very lovely at four o'clock in the morning when I wake up thinking oh oh my god I will repeat your your words to me uh, you know, then when I need them, it, it's, it's really, I can't stress enough how this is really uh, a joint effort with so many people. And as with a forest, that's what we need. We need a massive diversity of trees. And I'm only one in, in a big, big, um, group, um, cohort, call it what you want, of which you are too, because you're making the space for us to speak. And so, you know, we're all, we're all together in that. So I thank you too.